Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Praise the Lord. Good morning. Take your seats and uh, good to be with you on this super soaker Sunday. I was going to get clever this morning and call my message super soaker or something. And I thought the kids are out there getting wet, so we might as well as well. So, um, so it's okay. We're not coming out with hoses or buckets. So you're all good. I'm just talking about the things of the Spirit. So uh, the kids will have a ball out there and it's wonderful to be able to be here. Byron did say to me today, please say hello to the people. So from me to you, he says hello, okay, and he's down at Gilston this morning, and uh, they'll be having a great time down there as well. Well, let me get straight into this today, and welcome to those that may be joining us for the very first time. It's really great to see the room filled again, and uh, for all of those that are joining us online, what a day of technology we live in that church can still happen. And so we've been very blessed and as a church to have a team that can look after all of that for us. And uh, God has been good to us as well. I want to talk to you today about treasures in the clay. And I start this message this morning. It, it actually happened in my car just a couple of weeks ago. And I had two of my little grandsons in the car with me on the day. And one of them is eight. I don't know if he's in the room or he's out there, but he's probably out there where all the fun's happening today. So anyway, he, he proudly showed me this front tooth that was just dangling by a thread. You know those times? And, and I said to him, that really needs to come out. And I said, do you want me to pull it out anyway? Long story, or short story, long story made short. I, um, the conversation progressed. And we got talking about teeth and he asked the question, why was it that, you know, his baby tooth needed to come out at all? And, and so I started to tell him the explanation and I said, well, this is why the, the baby tooth has to come out so that room is made for the big teeth, you know. And I thought that would be the end of the conversation, but he kept asking more detail. And I thought, how far can we go with all of this? And as I'm having this tooth conversation with my little grandson, I started to explain to him how the old has to go so that the new can come. And the old has to go so that what is coming in is stronger, is bigger, is uh, more mature, and it's lasting. And I thought that'd be the end of the conversation. Then he asked another question, well, how long do the big teeth last? Because he was a bit worried he'd have a big tooth dangling on the gum like this one. And I said, well, these teeth last for a lifetime. And I want you to know today that that which God has done in you is not just for a season or two, it is for a lifetime and beyond. You know, with every little wiggle, every little bump in the road, every little bit of pressure or a lot of pressure that you've gone through or you are going through today, there is something bigger coming in behind that that is, that is just God doing something in us. I believe that God wastes nothing. He wastes absolutely nothing and the little is not wasted, the greater is not wasted and the process that you find yourself on today is not wasted. See, the Bible's a speaking book. 
It is a speaking book and it is a book that is alive and I think sometimes we forget that, that this speaking book is, is alive. It's an active book and it speaks to us any time that we want to open up our lives to it. And I'm, I'm one that's very grateful that had that opportunity really from the very beginnings of my walk with God that I, I had the opportunity to open up my heart to this speaking book. Now, let me share the scripture with you and then we'll go through some of this today. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. And we're talking about treasure in the clay. I'll read it to you. It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Well, it's quite a list, isn't it? And, uh, but in this verse, it speaks to us perhaps about where we are right now. You may be perplexed right now. You may be feeling as, you know, crushed. You may be feeling abandoned right now. You may have carried this sense of abandonment in your life for many years, but I want you to know that God has something for you. In this verse, it speaks to us about where we've been or where we are right now, or there's been a time in our lives where we felt a little hard pressed. But I want you to know that this scripture is very important to us because as we started reading that, the first word we read there is this three-letter three word called but. You see that a lot in scripture. You know, it's like the giant shows up and the Enemy army's coming and there's trouble on every side, but God, you know. It's kind of like everywhere in Scripture. Well, don't you, you know, there's, there's a storm and, you know, they're, they're coming after us, but God shows up. And so I want you to know that God is showing up in your life. It isn't a maybe. He is showing up in your life. And I want you to know that the Bible uses this word, but, a lot, and he uses it a lot in our lives. He's used it a lot in mine, but we can miss it because we go into the trouble side of it, the perplexed side of it, the, the crush side of it. Human nature tends to lean in that direction, but the faith side of it says, but God is right there. And that's where God wants us to look. That's where he wants us to behave. That's where he wants us to release our faith, and Corinthians talks about it in this way, and it starts this and says, but we have. Those first few words, but we have. What is it that we have today? What, it, what is it that the Bible is speaking to us that we already have? It's not coming, we already have. And it goes on to say this treasure that is in jars of clay, the two pictures are staggering if you stop to think about it for a moment. And then it goes on to speak about the surpassing power is from God and not from us. We do not have a self-made gospel. This is God's gospel. And he was good enough to give it to us. And he said, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. You know, it's been well said and, and I kind of appreciate it. 
And it's certainly been a story in my own life that just one word from God can change your life. And, uh, you know, many have said that over the years, but I know for me that definitely was a reality. Just one word from God can change your life. And it alters who you are. It changes how you walk. It, it alters the way you believe. Just one word. I, I couldn't carry, you know, people come to me all the time with this word and that word and this one. And I, I want one word to walk in and be faithful and loyal in that. And that one word will keep me on the path, stay the course and, you know, walk with God. This one word, what is that word for you? that God has spoken to you, that you already have. As I mentioned to you, I I can share a couple of things with you, and some of you may be familiar with the story that I tell, but that's what happens when it's your testimony, it's your story, it comes out because it's yours. And you've lived through this, and you've worked your way through this, but these two moments were the, well, moments in my life. You know, these two were the ones that, That word has just changed my life and will continue to shape and mould and direct my path. And uh, one of those those times was in a house that we used to live in. I I think we only had one child at the time. Funny how you can't remember those things, you know, how many kids you had, whether you had one or two or I don't know. But anyway, it was one of those times and because life was kind of manic and crazy for us at that time and... You know, I was having to juggle a good number of things, plus I was volunteering at the church and doing a bunch of stuff, and then we were, you know, running businesses and all these sorts of things, and so my time with God was very set aside for when I could kind of do that, and so I remember this occasion, it's funny when God speaks, you know exactly where you are. You know, when something important happens in your life, you can, you can locate and remember the place, the time. Well, it was one of those. And I think it was around 2 a.m. in the morning. It was early hours of the morning. And I still remember the chair. And I was kneeling down and I had my hands in my face. And I, I remember the, the, the crying of my heart, the intensity of my heart. And I said, Lord, how do I get to know you? It was a genuine cry. It wasn't a a polished religious prayer. It was the cry of the heart on, Lord, how do I get to know you? And I no sooner got those words out of my mouth when I heard God speak to me. Now, that might sound strange to people say, I've never heard God speak. Well, on this occasion, I did. And I no sooner got that prayer out and I heard the voice of God to me and he said, if you wanna get to know me, then get to know me through my word. And right there on that lounge room floor with my head buried in a, I think it was a green chair at the time. It's just that you remember and, you know, tie it all together. And I remember at that time, that word will shape my life. If you want to get to know me, then get to know me through my word. And no longer would I just have bits of paper and scripture that I'd glance and shut the cover. This would now be a living, speaking word 
that would speak directly to my life, no matter where I was at, no matter what my life looked like, no matter where it was going, no matter what the future was, no matter what my yesterday was, this speaking word would speak directly to my life and shape and mould the way I thought. Change my perspective. One of the things that it most definitely did was change the way I prayed that I no longer leant upon my own understanding, but I would lean upon the sayings of God. It changed my life and continues to do that to this very day. And so I went on a pursuit to know God, the God of the Bible. I didn't wanna just be a Sunday Christian of just coming to church and then just didn't nothing in between, but I wanted to know God, the God on the pages. The other word that changed my life, and you've probably heard me mention this a time or two, and that is that everything you need is already within you. It changed everything for me. Remember we started this scripture, but we have, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. See, so often we're looking for God, where are you? I need this and I need that. And when is it arriving and how will it come and who will be the delivery? But we have treasures in jars of clay. And it changed the way I approached almost everything. What I needed, what I wanted, what I desired was already there. The faith of God was already there. The Spirit of God was already there. The revealed Word of God was already within me. It was just a case of how much I wanted to walk in, which meant the choice and the degree that I walked in God was actually up to me and not up to God. And it took that waiting away. I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting for Him to show. I'm waiting for Him to break through. I'm waiting for Him. You know, it took that waiting away because waiting means that we are bound to who He is, bound to His nature, bound to His Word. See, the Apostle Paul spoke and he said, stir up the gift that is in you. Stir it up. You know what it's like when you've got to stir something? You're mixing it around, you're awakening that, you know, the ingredients. I don't want to get too, you know, cooking thing because I don't do a lot of it these days. But, you know, it's, it just tells you that if something has to be stirred up, then it, we, have a ten, we have a tendency to fall asleep. We have a tendency to just, what's in us already can sit ineffective, And the Apostle Paul said, stir up the gift that is already within you. And I believe that God wants His church awake. I believe God wants the Spirit of the living God in us to be awakened. That the Spirit of faith in us be awakened. That we would know and receive that we've already got it within us. You see, the faith of God, when I allowed the faith of God to be stirred within me, everything changed. Expectation rose. And I started to look at what was possible rather than 
give reason and excuse why it wasn't possible. My expectation grew, breakthroughs came, answers to prayer came on many occasions and some of them very quickly. Your perspective changes, your conversations change, your language changes. When you're on the God side of things, everything changes. But also what was within was something else that some of us get uncomfortable with. And that is the authority that's upon the believer. And some people get a little nervous about that. And, you know, but one of the things I learned, and for this girl that grew up somewhat timid and shy and wanting to stay in the background, when you start using words like authority, that's a fairly big deal for a timid person. Because it sounds like you're being forthright. It sounds like you're pushing your way through or forward. It sounds like you're stronger than what your actual personality is. And yet, God taught me about his authority that he'd given to us, but we have treasures in this clay. And as a result of that, I saw many things change. There were times when I just put up my hand like a stop sign like that because I could feel the touch of God upon me. Devil, you will go no further. You'll go no further. There were times when I just drew this line in the sand and I say, you will not pass that line. You will not cross that line in the name of Jesus. You will go no further. Some years ago, Byron was in trouble with his health and God gave me one word, and it was the word no. And I remember as I was getting ready to go to the hospital and all the things that came with that and all the stuff we've been through, and I'm getting dressed, I'm getting ready to go out the door, and God spoke to me and He said, no. And so I spoke no. As I got in the car, I said no. I drove down the highway. I said no. I got to the hospital. I said no. As I caught the lift to the sixth floor, I said no. And by the time I got to the nurse's desk, I said, I've come to see my husband. And she checked and she came back. She said, oh, she said, that report has now changed. That's authority. That's authority. And I think sometimes we get scared about using what we've been given. The surpassing power of God is in these jars of clay. It's not a self-made gospel. It's by God. You know, that authority, when the prodigal son came home to his father and the father placed a robe on him and put the ring on his finger, that was a sign it wasn't just a welcome back. It was a sign. The ring was a sign of authority. And the prodigal that had lived a wayward life would now come not just under the father's house and the father's blessing, but that son could now walk in his God-given authority. I don't know what looking's like in your house, but uh, the initial look sometimes is funny because... You know, when you can't find what you've gone looking for and then 
you go back and you look again and then usually the way this goes is that somebody in the house will say, why would anyone move my stuff? Why would anyone move my stuff? Could be a hat. I'm not using names, but you know, it could be golf related. You figure the rest out. Why would anyone move my stuff? And the funny thing with our house is that there's only two of us living there. (laughs) So the odds could go either way. Why would anyone move my stuff? And then you go back and you take another look only to find that it was there all along. All along. It hadn't been moved, it hadn't been taken, it hadn't been stolen. It might have been covered. (laughs) Byron doesn't believe in wardrobes, he believes in floor drobes. (laughs) That's his thing. Who moved my stuff? It was there. Just been covered. I was sitting at a lunch in Adelaide with about 10 other pastors one time and just having lunch at this Italian restaurant and anyway, sort of a long rectangular table and there was a, a man across from me, diagonal, and a very well-known name in our nation and very uh, accurate, uh, respected prophetic voice. I think he's part of Russell Evans and Planet Shakers today, but Anyway, lunch had been served and everyone's eating their lunch and talking to their person to their left and right. And this man sitting across from me, he just lifted his head in the middle of his lunch and he pointed his finger like that at me and he said, I see a room. And he said, in the centre of that room is a treasure chest. But that treasure chest has been covered over And it's been covered with dust and with cobwebs. But he said, if you would be prepared to walk through the door and walk into that room and go to that treasure chest and lift up that lid, inside that chest you'll find one key. And that key, once it's put into your hand, will open up not just one door, but it will open up many. And then he bowed his head and he went back to his lasagna. The interesting thing with that or the confirming thing with that was this, that only about two weeks prior to that experience, God had spoken to me about something that I had put down, something that I had just let go and I was reluctant to pick it up again and I was happy for it to collect dust and I was happy for it to just stay there. Two weeks prior, God had prepared me by the time I got to Adelaide, he was the prophetic voice speaking over my life. If I was prepared to dust it off and to pick it up. And it was in a very specific area of prayer. And I say that carefully because sometimes you cross the line into enemy territory. And you've got to be ready that he doesn't like to give up ground. 
You see, the real treasure for me is knowing, is knowing that I have a risen Christ. The real treasure for me is knowing that I have salvation and there is salvation through no other name other than the name of Jesus. The real treasure for me is knowing that I can walk forgiven and not condemned. The real treasure for me is knowing that I am favoured and I am blessed and I'm not cursed and that I can walk through this life not barely holding on like a thread, like my grandson's tooth dangling there just barely holding on, but that I can walk through this life with the knowledge of the revealed nature of God. And I can pray prayers like the man said to Jesus, Lord, would you teach me to pray? Because I wanna open doors. I wanna see many doors opened. And Lord, would you teach me how to pray so that really the Kingdom of God can come and affect my earth? You see, there's treasure in these jars of clay just in case you don't know, you are that jar of clay. Your life is that jar of clay. And there is a treasure there and I ask you today, what is that word that God has spoken to you and is there some dust and some cobwebs that you are prepared to clear away and to put back into your hands that which God has given to you? You see, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, it says, It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. And with that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. We believe and then we speak. We believe in the heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then we speak with our mouth and the Bible says you will be saved. You see, the kingdom of God is activated by voice. I find this one of the most exciting possibilities in our walk with God. That it's a kingdom that's activated by voice and I can prove it through scripture, that one that we won't read because of time, but Mark 11, you know that one that, you know, speak to the mountain and tell it to be removed, go into the sea, all of that. Now, Jesus was not talking about Mount Everest or the mountains in Israel that they'll literally be picked up from the earth and thrown into the sea. He was talking about the things that stand in the way of your destiny and your future and the will of God and the plans of God and that which God has spoken to you. And he said, you can speak to that mountain and tell that mountain to be removed and to be cast into the sea. But I've spoken about too many mountains over my year, years instead of speaking to the mountain and give praise to God for its removal. Remember Jesus speaking to the fig tree? Cursed it. It withered as a result. Remember Ezekiel? I wish I, I, I would like to just stay on Ezekiel for like an hour. Well, I won't, but the fact that God would use a man's voice and speak to a valley of dried up spiritual 
backslidden, disconnected bones from God. And God would use Ezekiel's voice with the picture that he gives to him. And he said, you are to speak over that valley. And I want you to speak the breath of God into that valley. I want you to speak the life of God into that valley. And that army will stand to its feet. It will take its place. It will stand on its feet and it will do what it was designed and created to do. But the co-laboring between a man called Ezekiel and God himself, I find extraordinary. That God would entrust people like you and I to speak the will of God and see valleys of broken bones be mended, be healed, be restored and take their place in the Kingdom of God. If ever there was a day where we, the church, need to be doing this, it's right now. It's right now. Our earth is under pressure. Our nation is perplexed. Our people right now are feeling abandoned and confused. And we, the church, are the Ezekiels in our time where we can speak and prophesy the will, the purposes, the destiny of God right now. God is lifting us higher than being crushed and abandoned and perplexed and depressed. We are hard pressed on every side, but we have treasure in these jars of clay. But we have treasure in these jars of clay. Genesis chapter one, I'll just mention on 10 occasions, if you really looked into it, there'd be more. It just simply says, and God said. God spoke. What we believe we will speak by the same spirit of faith and has been asked, what is God looking for? When He looks across the earth, what is it that God is looking for? And I believe that God is looking for a church that speaks. I believe God is looking for a church that believes. I believe God is looking for a church that sounds like Him. And in the garden, He created them in the image of Himself. A people that are not ashamed of the Gospel and a people in our time that His Word will be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. I'll close with this testimony. And there was a professor of theology in the 1940s I've probably heard this story or read about it several times over the years and I just came across it again the other day and it never fails to stir me. It never fails to awaken incredible possibilities in me. And this professor of theology uh, took his Bible students to this home in the United Kingdom. This home happened to be the home of John Wesley the great reformer really of the church and a lot of that we're still living out today. And he took his students through the kitchen and you know, different parts of the house and up into the bedroom. And in that bedroom there is this piece of carpet or a carpet and 
there's these two indentations beside the bed where John Wesley would kneel for obviously hours. And Mr. Wesley would pray and he would pray that God would move. He prayed that revival would come. He prayed that God would move in his generation and that the souls of men and women would turn to God. They were the prayers of John Wesley, the great reformer of the church in his day. And so this professor of theology gathered up his students, said it's time to go to the bus. And when he got to the bus, he realised that one of his students was missing. And uh, he went back through the house to look through the house for this student. And he got back up into the bedroom of John Wesley's room and found his Bible student with his knees in the same indentations where John Wesley would pray for a move of God's Spirit. And he overheard the student saying words, something to this effect, God, would you do it again? Would you move again by your Spirit? Would you change lives again? Would you transform lives again? But would you allow revival to begin in me, in me? And as the professor stood in the room, he watched his student get up from his place of prayer. And Billy Graham stood up and went to the bus to join the other students. I wonder if that level of hunger for God is in us today. I wonder if that intensity of soul and concern for our generation, our neighbourhoods, our families is in us today. Or have our lives been covered with dust? the concerns and the cares of our time. Is that key and that gift within you covered with cobwebs and can I encourage you today? Don't let the dust rob the treasure that's in you. My walk is different than yours. God has strengthened me with certain things that is just my walk. He's strengthened and anointed and equipped you and put within you certain things that is your walk and we need your walk. Our church needs you walking the walk of God. Our generation needs the church to rise up and walk. They need to see that we are believers in Jesus Christ and unashamed of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm prepared to lose a bit of sleep. I'm prepared to call upon the Name of my God. I'm, compare, I'm, I'm prepared to allow a few tears to go through the couch and into the carpet and bend my knee and cry out for my generation. God, would you do it in us? And today, would you stand to your feet and say, God, I'm gonna join my prayers with Billy Graham. I'm gonna join my prayers with John Wesley and countless others that 
have prayed a similar prayer. But in this hour right now for the church, in this moment right now across our world, like never before, the reality of the risen Christ needs to be revealed in our schools, revealed in our universities, revealed in our neighbourhoods, revealed through our media, that the nature of Christ would be seen in the church. Father, we cry out to You today. And Lord, as every heart is crying out to You, I pray today that the dust would go, that the cobwebs would be removed. Father, I pray today as I stand at this platform, Lord, we know, Lord, that You move when prayer is revived in us. And so, Lord, I pray, let there be a fresh wave and a fresh visitation of prayer in the heart of every man, woman and child, I pray. Let there be, if there's a revival of any sort, let there be a revival of prayer. Let there be a revival, I pray, within every individual heart. Father, wake people up out of their sleep to pray. Wake us up, Lord, while we're in our cars to pray. Wake us up, Lord, I pray, in our conversations to pray. Lord, would You teach us to pray? so that Your Kingdom is manifested in our time right now. Lord, we pray that You would move by Your Spirit in our children, our grandchildren, our neighbourhoods, our colleges, Lord. Father, that Your hand would be upon our journalists, that Your Spirit would come upon our politicians. Father, that You would move upon the corporate world, that You would move by Your Spirit upon the secular world. Father, awaken, I pray, us to knowing that there are treasures in these jars of clay. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Give Jesus all the praise this morning. Give Him all the praise. Open up your lives to Him. Thank You, Lord. We open up our lives to You today. We give You praise, Lord. Hallelujah.